0: Hello, guys. Welcome to season two of Aligned by Design. Today, we start the season with a great conversation with an artist, Shane Aspergren, founder of Ondo Sound. In this episode, we chat about sound bathing, the concept of sympathetic resonance, sound as a healing modality, and the grounding sounds of nature. This episode is a great way to start season two in 2022. Let's get into it.
1: I had a kind of magical like real like epiphany when I was in Bali and that was with I was talking about insects but I was we were up in the mountains in central Bali and it was five in the morning and all of a sudden I mean we we're in this hut that had no no air conditioning nothing it was just like up, up on the mountain
0: right.
1: and very open air just some mosquito nets and at five in the morning I thought that there was some kind of siren going off. I oh. thought it was like a, I was in New York City or, you know, <laughs> something. And there was like yeah. s- some kind of massive tornado siren or something happening. And then I quickly realized, that, oh, my God, this is this is alive. This whole place is alive. It's this, this just right. insects. I mean, it was a symphony of insects and it was the loudest thing that I have ever heard coming out of nature. This was the moment, you know, it was one of the moments of my life. And you can say, there, there are many moments, even like performing music. I can think back to certain moments of performing music over the last 20 years, where everything just opened up and turned magical. And it was like, there was nothing to do. It was just like, it was just channeling, you know? Right. And there are moments where you feel this, you can feel it energetically in the earth. You can feel, you know, that place. I felt like I was in a magical space at that moment.
0: Shane Aspergrin's unique approach to holistic sound practices combines his multifaceted background as a contemporary artist, composer, and experimental musician, with training in therapeutic sound traditions, alongside an ongoing research into modern wave science. As an artist, Shane's work juxtaposes improvisational languages within carefully crafted frameworks, frequently exploring a cross-discipline and non-dualistic perspective on such topics as consciousness, societal dynamics, and perception. He is largely known for his practices related to music and sound, which often play an integral part in his installations, images, videos, objects, and performances. Interested in the relational aesthetics of every form, he often prefers interactive methods of creation, as well as the practical application of those methods, such as his ongoing work with meditative and holistic practices, specifically the effects of sound and its effects on the minds and physical matter of various living beings. Aspergrin received a Bachelor's of Arts in Film Studies from the University of Nebraska. His work has been presented, commissioned, collected, and performed internationally all around the world. Since the early 2000s, Aspergrin has explored various yogic practices which led to a deep interest in meditation and the perceived experience of the human mind and body. After diving deeper into wave phenomena for a series of installations and performances, this eventually led to the development of Ondo, a natural bridge between his creative and holistic interests. In addition to his more extensive portfolio, Aspergrin has trained in Meridian Yoga Therapy, Integrated Vibrational Therapy, and is registered with Yoga Alliance as a RYT 200. Lucky for us, this episode will contain four audio works by Shane Aspegren. All information about each work will be available in the show notes. We welcome Shane Aspegren to the table. The That's a really nice stone wall behind you.
1: Yeah, it's great. Our landlord, uh, our landlord is very proud of that wall, and, and we like. It. I think he
0: should be proud of that wall. <laughs> it's giving me some like mid-century modern yeah. LA vibes, sixties. Um, totally.
1: Like uh, kind of ranch house style.
0: Ranch house style. Like, ranch house style. Does it so give it good acoustics quality?
1: I mean, the acoustics are fine in here. <laughs> I don't, I don't do, I mean, I do play the gong in here a lot, but yeah. uh, yeah, the acoustics are, are actually much better than the industrial unit that we were living in before. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure. You, so you play the gong a lot at home, or what instruments you play with at home on your th- on your own free time?
1: I have this this gong that's covered by a, a cloth. I can I can cover it for you just so you can have a better look. But, yeah, uh, right. That's actually one of that's actually one of my favorite one of my favorite gongs. That I've got a piano amazing. over there. Those are, those are gongs that I've just been collecting for the past you know, 15 years or something in my travels. So every time I go to, you know if I go to Thailand, I'll buy a new small gong. Now that I'm collecting larger gongs, I'll probably start buying longer, larger gongs once we can travel again to Southeast Asia.:
0: <laughs> Right. How many gongs do you have now?
1: Um, of the larger ones, I have five, yeah. um, the larger meditation goals and then the small ones, I don't know, around 12 to 15 and Adrian, Adrian Wong and I collected, I don't know, six or seven years ago, we built this sculpture. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but it was at Rossi and Rossi gallery. Um, oh yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. I remember that. So
1: it, we made this gong sculpture, which is now somewhere in Eastern Europe. A collector, a collector has that now. But, uh, right, Adrian Wong, the contemporary but that, that was contemporary great because we had, who's in Chicago now.
0: But, who's in uh, Chicago? Hopefully, now. we'll
1: continue to collaborate at some point.
0: Yeah, no, you're you. First of all, you live in Lama, which to those people who don't live in Hong Kong, Llama is it's a half hour commute, you know, from home to to Central. Um, oh, but
1: today we can't.
0: Today right. we're stuck. Yeah, yeah. And, and during a typhoon 8, it's a typhoon 8 right now, so that means all public transportation, everything is shut down because of the typhoon that's nearby. But people who live on Lama live there because they want to be closer to nature. They don't want to be surrounded by skyscrapers and the hustle and bustle of what you usually see in Hong Kong. And people who live in Lama live there because it's like, a bit more grounded than living in the city, or that's actually the idea of it. You live in a, you know, a, a llama bubble, but then Hong Kong is itself a bubble. So we're like bubbled in. Um, and I don't really have, the last time I was out of Hong Kong was February, 2020. I don't really have a concept of anything beyond this island. <laughs> That That is is Hong Kong. Kong. It's hard to comprehend. The only thing I know is what I see in the media, you know? So it's just like, I'm in this little safety bubble that is Hong Kong. And yeah, it's very interesting. When was the last time you were out of the city? Exactly
1: the same as you, February, 2020. Oh yeah. Yeah. Last time I, 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 last trip I took was to Thailand and it's been a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, so you're, you've collaborated with Adrian Wong, and I see on your bio and on your website, you've also collaborated with amazing Cody Hudson. What have you, oh, what yeah, have you guys Cody's worked on friend. together? Yeah. What, what has he done um, for, for you?
1: Cody and I met, man, I don't know, 18... I'm just guessing probably 18 years ago, at least over 15 years for sure. Uh, he was originally introduced to me by a record label in Chicago uh, that I was doing, uh, the band that I was doing at the time, we were going to do a small project with them. And Cody was doing all of the, all of the design, all of the artwork for, for their label. Uh, it was a label called Chocolate Industries, which, which is a really funny story. I, I still don't even have a copy of, or no, I do have one copy of that seven inch that Cody uh, uh. himself gave me because I didn't have one. Um, But yeah we we started working together back then and then over the years i started doing some sound installations for him uh at a couple of shows uh, a show that he did at uh, the mca in chicago and where else um yeah hyde park i think we did a show together um so over the years we've just kind of done some things for each other every once in a while we'll collaborate on the project and most recently, that was the Ondo logo.
0: Yeah, he designed the logo for you for Ondo. What what was that like? Like how? What was that process like with him?
1: I, I really just wanted something. I wanted I wanted a kind of strong, you know, logo for, for this. And of course, Cody's always the my my preferred uh, person to work work with for graphic design and um, i, mean, I wish he was, was my place, preferred
0: i don't think he will be listening to any you know i think he has he has a very strict uh, narrow client list at this point because he's he's now doing all of this amazing art blowing up my instagram and um i i was staying at this hotel in seoul in south korea called Rise. Um, R-Y-S-E and my Mm -hmm. friend Jason Schlbach was the artistic director or is the artistic director of that of that project. And he has this huge Cody Hudson. They flew him over there and he has all of this like Cody Hudson, um, uh, kind of like a mural, but it's 3D in timber on, on this like rock face wall. It was really amazing. That was the first time I've seen it. Then I've seen him on my Instagram and, all, and I, I don't know what it is, but I, in a, he, he does these like weird flora and fauna forms or like human forms, but they're not any of that. For me, as like a believer of the esoterics, I don't know where he gets all of this stuff from, but for me, it, it kind of spoke to me at that level. Um, I don't know, actually, I just I'm assuming, but for me, I, I, I kind of appreciate that kind of abstract form and, and figure and okay this is not about cody this is this about is shane. shane it's not about him <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway anyway so he but, was speaking to me at that level
1: but the living on going back going back to the llama thing when i look out into i don't know if, if i didn't show you this view out the out of our place Beautiful. But <gasps> if you look there the out the front uh, door that that yeah, is next level we have, your uh, banana trees i mean all sorts of all sorts of things but yeah wow. it is you yeah, this out, is why man. Out. i mean you know it's amazing
0: wow <laughs> that's beautiful i know you offered to do this podcast at your de- deck and now i'm like kind of regretting not doing it but it's a t8 so we wouldn't have done it on your deck anyway but um maybe exactly. we can do a second episode of come just out all music. JJ. Yeah. yeah gosh Wan, what be great. i would lo- i would move to llama <laughs> for that deck wow it's really beautiful yeah. It makes it easier. Right. To live. So oh, well. I just said,
1: thanks. Yeah, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I know you have a description on the website and, and yeah. everything. And what, to you, what is Ondo? Ondo and what does, what is the name Ondo? Like where did, where did that name come from?
1: Ondo to me is a platform to bridge the gap between my different interests between uh, my holistic practices, between my artistic practices um, and it's also a way for me to kind of remove my name from that I also wanted a name that wasn't my own name because I, I wanted a platform that had the potential to expand into something else uh, I don't really know what the future of that is or what that even means I just wanted something that can develop organically and doesn't doesn't need to rely on my own uh neuroses uh, ego you know these things so the the ego that i'm i'm trying to to lose in these practices so <laughs> if that makes sense yeah I and, mean, and the name came from a discussion with a friend uh, i was i was i was discussing with a friend about the name and i had a few different ideas and he just came back to me and he was like he'd send me this message saying Ondo is, you know, I mean, on in French is like wave. It's, it's all about, wave. um, and Esperanto, the, the, the last language of Esperanto is ondo. And it's, it's, you know, it's a Latin root. It's the French and, uh, Spanish. all of us have this, this connection with, with the word. So, and I, I like the way it looks. I like the way it sounds. Yeah. I like-
0: i like o-n-d-o and i like i like when i say ondo i mean my 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 mouth it creates like a round sound um so it's it's already got a bit of a volume and a space to it as, as you as we say the name but what what is it right now in a nutshell and what do you think it will be
1: at the moment it is um continually evolving i mean i I've been doing a lot of sessions, you know, you've attended a session in my studio. I'm no longer in that studio. I'm, I'm kind of in between spaces, but I actually really like being in between right now. I like this, lim- I, you know, I guess, liminality of the situation of uh, I do rooftop sessions on Lama, which is all about deep listening. It's all about listening to nature and also then going into the the sound bath from there. And then I do sessions at various locations, a couple of uh, yoga studios. Uh, I did something at the Eaton Hotel a couple of times. So I like this flexibility of, of moving around and doing in different locations. And also, I'm continually adapting to those situations. Um, and I'm also working a lot with private clients, so individuals, um, mainly. Doing vibrational therapy with the body, using the singing bowls directly on the body to tuning forks. I've been going more in depth into studying uh, meridian yoga this this past year or so, and so I'm, I'm continually well, I'm understanding more and more the Chinese meridian system as well and how that overlaps with the yogic. Tradition chakra systems, and things like that, which is what my main background is in holistic practices. I mean, I started studying yoga fifteen to twenty years ago, and you know I had fluctuations of the the depths that I was engaging with those practices. but um, I think my my main background is first and foremost coming from music and art, and then also a kind of yogic philosophy and physical practice as well. And then over the years, I migrated into more mindfulness, stemming out of Buddh- more Buddhist traditions. Although I have to say, you know, I've, I've studied all of these things. I'm very interested in all of these things, but I haven't, I'm not dogmatic about any of them. I'm, I'm just really have a, a curiosity and, and also have needed a personal way of, of seeking these, these things for my own knowledge and uh, my own body, I suppose. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I, I completely feel that. And um, it's funny that you mentioned uh, the ego because, you know, you're an artist, um, a contemporary artist, as, you know, like practicing sound within the field of contemporary art globally and uh, and i'm a designer and when but, you're an artist or you're a designer you have to put your ego in because you have to you have to to formulate a position in a way it could be non-position position or it has it could be position position by either way when you're when you're exhibiting you need to just to have that ego Do when i started getting into holistic practices and and spirituality and esoteric uh, work when I needed to separate myself from myself, give me a break from my ego. <laughs> Do you think this is, this, this practice is a way to balance out your artistic life, like your public life, or, or you don't really separate the two. They're, they're all kind of one practice together.
1: Yeah, that's, It's super confusing, isn't it? (laughs) Because I I agree with you. I mean, that's it really is why in the past, let's say, five years or so, I've really been migrating more into this practice. Even though I've been studying and and I've I've had these practices over 15 years, I was really ingrained in, I think, the... um, placing so much importance on everything. And um, at a certain point, I I really needed to go more into the spiritual side, this esoteric side, I suppose, that you're talking about. And I feel the same way that, that you're talking about is there's a big conflict within that where then... I mean, this is exactly going back to the question, the first question of why I created Ondo as as a separate entity out- outside of myself. It was that even though currently I'm the only one practicing under that platform, it was a way for me to detach and also live in this modern world where we need to advertise to get people to come, you know, to spread the word. There's There's that contradictory aspect of it, so... I think I I wanted to create another name in order to do that. I had a moment I don't know two thousand probably between two thousand seventeen and two thousand nineteen where I really had a radical shift of my perspective of everything, and I had to kind of abandon a lot of things. You know, I was doing a lot of recorded music at that time. I was I was playing you know in a, a band was the last. I was doing like a kind of traditional <laughs> modern band and uh, those things I, I just needed to step away from. Yeah. I don't know if, if I've answered your question exactly, but. Um,
0: no, I mean, I completely, I mean, you have to edit your life so that you know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. I mean, some things may work for you at one point in your life, but then you grow out of them or you, you want to go into something else, right? Um, for yeah. me, as I get older, I just want to go deeper inward and inward and inward. Um, because I've seen the world in a way, like I, or I've I've experienced everything that I wanted to experience, and I've I've kind of designed and built the things I wanted to design. Um, I always think that I I'm a true believer that we are all three things. We're all mind, body, and spirit. So we're we're our mind, but we are also our physical body, but we are also our spirit and for me i embrace the word spirit um but some people may not embrace it they may embrace the word consciousness or the the Mm -hmm. thing that is not the mind because the mind is the brain and then you have the body but what what is beyond what 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 is the thing that makes you desire something what is the thing that makes you want to you know for me that spirit you know the the desire the lust for life all of that kind of thing and you know some people call, mm-hmm. call it the subconscious or whatever so for me as I grow older, that is where my interest lies now what what is the things that make me happy what are the things that make me joyful what are the old narratives and old fears to me that I'm not even going to beat around the bush I'm, I'm calling it trying to figure out always having a daily conversation with spirit to try to figure out what are the things that don't work for me anymore emotionally and 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 spiritually and subconsciously so that is why i am trying to move away from ego which is the mind and moving into other other modes of trying to communicate and 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 sometimes that's through meditation sometimes that's through hiking walks in the park sometimes for me that's through sound therapy sound bath light therapy you know there are so many modalities these days it's yeah. Okay, so it's 15 minutes, we want to play a sound clip from your session. And uh, yeah, yeah. So here's a sound clip from from uh, Shane's work. Right, we're back with Shane Aspergin. Aspergin or Aspergen? Aspagrin Aspagrin Yeah. Where's that from? Aspagrim. What is what's it's a Swedish
1: that- name? Oh,
0: okay. Aspagren.
1: Yeah, right. it's the it's the it's related to the aspen tree, branch of an aspen tree. Which actually the roots of the aspen tree are the most interesting part. I don't know if you know anything about the aspen no. tree, but they're they're all connected under I mean it's kind of like a a rhizomatic network of roots and some of the largest living organisms in the world i mean besides mushrooms like these mycelial networks are um aspen trees so they can go on if you see you'll never see one aspen tree by itself you'll see only a field uh, and just sometimes they go on for acres and acres and so i think it's a very beautiful name i'm very very very
0: get? Yeah, that's amazing. That's an amazing uh, story. I had no idea. Learn something new every day.
1: Yeah, I learned that in the uh, Rocky Mountain National Park one one summer, right. like, several years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> Listening yeah. to a park ranger. Yeah.
0: Education is fun.
1: Yeah. Um, so I don't know how tall they get. I'm sorry. <laughs> I no, can't no, but answer it that seems, question. It,
0: it seems like it's one of those things where it's like the most... Yeah, you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Like, we're only seeing you know, above the earth, you know, a part of the story. The most interesting thing is like what's happening that you can't see underneath the ground behind, um, underneath all of those trees, like the root or the foundation of,
1: of, of this, of the tree.
0: Yeah. has form. Have you,
1: have you read the uh, the Overstory that Richard Powers novel? Mm. Tell me about it. Uh, if you're in, if you're into novels, uh, if you're into, you know, modern mm-hmm. literature, it's, it's great. It's, it's all about, it's, several different stories over the course of different generations but it's all about trees in the end like the whole thing is about trees wow it's, re- it's really great is- and he has another another book called orfeo that is also related to music and sound and and dna and all of this stuff that, that i'm really interested in as well so you should definitely check it out okay i'll learn it, it to you i've, oh, yeah. I've actually loaned out uh the over stories. My I friend, I can get the
0: Kindle. Put it on the show notes so listeners can listen cool. to it as well. So I think I had a question, and it was how did Ondo get started? But it seems like it there wasn't really a line between pre life pre Ondo and life with Ondo. It because you you just started having these kind of interests and modalities, and then just kind of turned into something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it was a gradual. It was a gradual uh, organic shift over the course of 15 years, probably. Well, even longer than that, because, you know, I go back to when I was younger and think about the music that I was interested in as a late teenager or early twenties. You know, I was listening to experimental electronic music and minimalist composers and even like gamelan music, these kind of things. I was always really interested in these kinds of music that kind of shifted the way i felt you know sh- i mean music of course all music shifts the way that people feel right i mean people have a, a strong emotional reaction to music and we can talk about the line between what is music and what is sound and what, how that emotion might shift between the two but thinking back anyway to to that era i was always interested in you know, the first time I heard Gamelon music, I was just entranced. I was like, what is this? And and I was because I had no idea how it was produced. It sounded to me like, I don't know, like kind of maybe even the first time I heard it, I was not sure what the instruments were. I didn't know is this percussion, is this um some some other kinds of instruments, some um, but then I think the the real probably the real major shift was in that era, six or seven years ago, when Adrian and I were doing the third eye, we did a series called Third Eye Kaleidoscope, which was a series of um, art installations and public interventions and performances. And then we did that, uh, followed up by a a gallery show, Chromniomancy. And those, I was really starting to explore uh, solfeggio frequencies, like different frequencies. We were just looking into these more esoteric spiritual traditions and with with a very um i I wouldn't say detached like i mean we were just curious about i was really curious in in using these in sound installations in a kind of very pure form and and i think even over the course of of what I do with Ondo, I'm really interested in this direct feedback. I'm really interested in speaking with people afterwards. What did you feel like? How, how did, you know, we talk about energetic shifts. We talk about all of these things, but I'm curious in looking into the traditions behind these things, looking into how different traditions kind of, myth, whether you want to say mythologies or, you know, the things that are perceived are associated with in the different traditions and then actually like sometimes when i was first doing sessions with ondo and really exploring these frequencies i i would tend to not talk a lot before but i would talk more afterwards with people because this was also kind of energetic you know exploration and now the more I think my my perspective has shifted over the course of time and I'm doing a lot less in my sessions these days um, and less. And this is why I like working with people individually because I can really discuss one-on-one with people, what they're interested in and what we're working on and, and have a more kind of personal relationship with that. When, when it's a group, it's, it's a bit more difficult to, to kind of, go deeper into, into that. And I think it's, I think it's one thing you and I had talked about yeah. uh, a few months ago when we, when we spoke as well.
0: Yeah. So there's two things I wanted to bring up. The first thing was that in the back of your head, you before you started doing these public installations or group art installations with Adrian, yeah. because to me, I'm getting that that's mm-hmm. the first time you've ever worked with a group in terms of sound and, and how they, they take it in, in a more kind of like prescribed way in a setup. It way. It was the
1: first time that I ever approached uh, sound as a sound bath. Right. I, I, I guess you could say it was the first time that I ever intentionally, and even though I had in the past, I, I have a long, I've been performing music my entire, you know, since I was yeah. in my late teens. And of course, a lot of the music that I've made does have, certain you know i mean i was interested in kind of going into trance-like states and, right. and interested in these these things but it was the first time i intentionally made music for people that that was intended to be received as a sound bath yes and that got you excited
0: i'm sure Pique i mean it interest. was yeah 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 did and, you
1: come to the to the rooftop uh dream because we built this we built this like six foot high dream machine. Yeah, yeah I was there. Um, and, and, we, and we did this on the rooftop of Leslie and Tom's place in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I, was, I was there. And that was really amazing and also insane. And also, I was like, wow, this is so crazy and, and amazing in a good way. I've done a few of his stuff. like I've done a meditation thing also uh, at Art Basel and, and everything. Just because I, I just wanted to see All what, right. where, where what he had in mind in terms of um, what he really thought about these esoteric and spiritual things, and that was at the beginning of my journey as well. Um, but in any rate, you know, so as someone who's been playing music since you were a teenager, you get that music has a way to affect people um, and a large group of people as well. You know, you could just look at the When you play hard rock metal music, everybody's moshing, you know, it's like vibrational frequencies, everybody's moving up and down. Or when you're playing like a Cantonese love song, everybody's getting their candlesticks and waving in the same directions, right? So, and even my friend who practiced shamanism, in order for him to align his chakras, he plays um, shamanic drumming on YouTube, and he just dances around the room by himself in order to align his his chakra so and then there is this author that i'm reading now my partner is here and he's reading the same book babe what's her what's the author's name again eileen eileen De mccusick called electric body electric health her thing is not really about oh this. yeah her thing is not about sound. Well, I mean, and it it, it is. Her thing is more about plasma and the concept it of is. plasma efforts and bioelectricity. Um, but she's saying that everywhere around us, we can't even see it, um, is plasmatic, and um, that is that is the, how how sound uh, moves into the ether or in the space through the electrically charged plasma. Oh. Tuning in the, yeah, there you go. Tuning like, the human is, biofilm. This,
1: this is not the same book, but this it's is her, her first book. Her it's book her first as well. book. And yeah, this, it's, this it's is her a, first yeah. book. Yeah, I just grabbed it off the shelf over there. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, so, okay, yeah. great. So
0: you've read her. Um, I literally just discovered her last month um, because she was on my Audible list. And um, I was really interested. I didn't know that she was doing tuning forks. But I was really interested in our body as an electrical conduit, because I was interested in the word bioelectricity. But it turns out that she, mm-hmm. m- she moves, she affects bioelectrical currents um, through tuning forks. So the, there's all these w- ways in, the, in which we're dealing, we're being affected with sound on an everyday basis, on a prescribed basis on an accidental basis or just because we just love whatever Tori Amos or whatever music we're listening to. So I don't know why Tori Amos came up. But she she was my te- <laughs> she was my she was my life when I was a teenager but um, and and uh, I didn't know exactly what she was saying about and yet I felt affected in the way that she needs to affect me. So what are your thoughts on this? like is, is this something that I mean it's there's so many things going on in the world in terms of sound
1: oh yeah yeah part of what you were talking about before like moshing to to metal music or something like that i mean this is also cultural as well so all and and also even like and tribal whatever practice you might and sure yeah yeah. of course for sure yeah we we're we're very tribal you know in our in our evolution i think and um for better or worse, I, I think there there are both positive and negative aspects of that. But wow. um, but but um, but also even getting yourself you know into a mode you were talking about um, you know listening to to shamanic drumming and dancing and kind of bringing yourself into it. I think there are a lot of different there are a lot of different approaches that we can have to everything and. A lot of this is is also just what is what is happening in in the mind as well right and in in the body and this body mind if you want to also spirit connection all of these things yeah, there's a lot to unpack there but but at 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 the core, I think that we're definitely influenced by by culture we're we're influenced by everything we walk through Hong Kong and we have just we're pummeled constantly with jackhammers with with the crosswalk you know that violent crosswalk signal that we have in hong kong i mean all of these things people become quite numb to those as well i mean i think it it just becomes this habitual it's just a very like steady barrage of of noise that we live with every day and i think it's very detrimental to to everything and we, we definitely need to to disconnect from that sometimes and and also consciously do that. I mean, um,
0: I, I don't think it's a far, I mean, whether you, you believe in spirit or not, I don't think it's a far cry to state that we are all vibrational matter. You know, we're all, we're, we're all vibrate in a frequency or there's nothing here, here, when I touch my skin, it's not really there. It's just vibrating atoms. Um, yep. and, and we get, bomb- and, you know, when, if we are frequency, we get, you know, bombarded by sound pollution, noise pollution, traffic, people screaming, you know, so to me, a prescribed room where you not a prescribed room, but a a, fo- a fixed room where we can have like a sound bath or sound healing or, or whatever sound therapy, you may call it balances maybe balances out the kind of attack um, um, sound attack that we get on every day on a day-to-day basis just living in the city you know not everybody lives in a farm in the middle of nowhere not everybody lives in a in llama not everybody lives in a you know in the beach where I feel like if you're out there in the middle of nowhere this is why people have like retreats where where they're like in the middle of nowhere they turn off their cell phone and they don't have any sound or noise or music like a silent retreat i think that's why people do that because they want to get back in tune with the frequency of the planet you know the natural frequency of 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 the world so anyway so i could t- rant on and on and or talk about this on and yeah. on but what is it what is <clears throat> I a mean, typical... this oh yeah go ahead go ahead
1: i was just i was just going to say this is sympathetic resonance right this is so the the whole idea be, behind sound therapy is that you can synchronize metronomes with, with each other, you know, just they, they will automatically synchronize. And with, with the cells, it's the same thing. Um, and this has been instinctual knowledge for a long time. And now modern science is finally starting to look into this. You know, if you are around people who are aggressive, it tends to, to make your body clench, right? It tends to make everything and you start to resonate with, with those people as well. You know, that's where the whole bad vibe, <laughs> the, the whole bad vibe terminology comes from. And That's interesting, yeah, bad vibes. Yeah, whether, whether, mm. whether it's nature, whether it's, uh, whether it's a tuning fork, whether it's a gong, go ahead. You were saying bad vibes. <laughs> well,
0: no, I mean, that's, that makes sense <laughs> why we have that word, bad vibes. is so, yeah, yeah vi- bad vibration. You know, I mean, all, all of... Yeah. All of the root of all of these concepts are there, are out there. And I just feel that it's, yeah. it's around and then we lo- lose the knowledge and then we find it again and then we lose the knowledge and then we find it again. Anyway, then when we come back, we'll talk about what being in an ondo uh, experience is like with Shane. And we'll, we'll be right back. So what is a typical experience like doing a group session with you versus a private session, for example?
1: Well, the, the group sessions, it really depends because I do different kinds of sessions as I was explaining before. Right now, my favorite session is the rooftop session on Llama because this is um, very much what we were just talking about. You know, you get both, both things, you get you get nature, you're surrounded by cicadas, insects. It's on a rooftop that's, that's very close to the beach. You can, hear the, you can hear the sea, you can hear the cicadas, but then you also have the frequency of the instruments. Um, the more complex group sessions that I do involve amplified elements as well. I use, uh, sometimes I use sine wave frequencies, which I will incorporate pre-produced um, explorations of everything from solfeggio frequencies to some, kind, some sometimes more scientifically researched frequencies, such as you know 40 Hertz, for example. I'll, I'll often incorporate this because it's used in Alzheimer's research, for example. Um, it's you've been shown to stimulate the plaque in the brain Um, And I also use a lot of the the binaural recordings that I had been working with in the past few years. I did a series called Daily Frequencies, uh, which I put for free on my website during the the early, first lockdown, I suppose, in Hong Kong. Um, And sometimes I'll use some of the base elements of those recordings in the sessions but those are the more complex setups and now I'm, I'm tending especially because i'm not i don't have a fixed studio and i'm doing things in a more portable way i've really stripped down and i'm i'm really working largely now with just just the uh the healing instruments and you know gongs and and singing bowls tuning forks even in the group sessions if it's not too big if it's eight people or less i'll typically offer to do some bowls on the body um, which people love and that gives them a little taste of what the the individual sessions are like as well and the individual sessions are really in contrast they're they're very much we always do an interview before the first session and you know I, i really try to find out what the client wants to work on what their goals are whether that's just general that can be something very simple just like relaxation stress release you know these kind of things find out if they have any physical things going on and yeah we work with uh, singing bowls tuning forks sometimes I'll, i'll do small gongs as well but generally it's more direct body vibration with those where did you learn how to do this or how do
0: you know what you're doing is the right thing to do
1: i've i've learned uh, from various teachers, uh, I I've worked with you know I've, I've taken some trainings with different key teachers of, of different sound healing teachers. Uh, the last was actually the last time I left Hong Kong in, in uh, last 20, 2020, February uh, that when in I was Thailand, doing right? uh, that was in Thailand and that was that was uh, integrated vibrational therapy. That was when I really started to work with the bowls and the tuning force directly on the body and that just kind of blew my my mind open because up until that point i had only been working with gongs and you know i I, and then also more experimental techniques like with my background in electronic music and i was really approaching things in a different way but when i did that training it radically shifted the way that i approached doing this and that that was also I, i think the the radical shift of me starting to do that as uh, I think in my mind it became I was doing this for other people and not as uh, uh, an artistic exploration anymore. I mean, it's not that I wasn't doing it for people prior to that, but I think at that point, my perspective really shifted in which I Understood. I was doing this as kind of a service to other people, rather than um, this more egoic side, I suppose. What was that
0: instrument that you were talking about? That was like you—you you heard it for the first time, and you're like, "What the hell is this? It's amazing!" the The bank What was it?
1: Uh, I think uh, you mean gamelan music. Gamalan. Yeah, like the sorry. Indonesian. yeah, sorry, my- yeah. yeah, yeah. Indonesian, so that's like coming from like Indonesian, like. Uh, both Lib- I mean Bali and Java have different styles of gamelan but when I first heard it as a you know, I grew up in Nebraska in the middle yeah, of the US. Yeah, right. And I don't know, I think I bought this vinyl at, at a used record yeah. shop and just because I i the the guy there, there having like, like, a bong,
0: or like a it that like was like hippie it smell <laughs> like,
1: hippie-ish? It's like all right, yeah, all right. I, uh, <laughs> I still had it was just a used vinyl and right. I you know in the world music section or something and I yeah, was like world this music. oh my god interesting that, and I got yeah yeah that term yeah. is so a cringe. term that I a term yeah. that I hate, you I know? hate yeah, that it's, too. Like, it's like me too but you you're, know that was the person that was the that, way like, everything was labeled chat. Back, back yeah in the day.
0: yeah and now everything is world music <laughs> isn't it like you you I don't think I you exactly. would ever have a Okay, anyway, but
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to make, uh, you know, universal music rather, <laughs> rather than world music. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, I when I heard gamelan music too, it was when I went to Bali for the first time and I was seeing like the gamelan dancers. And that was an art artistic endeavor with not necessarily directed at healing, but it was an artistic endeavor, a cultural endeavor, And I have to say, obviously, spiritual endeavor on their part, because um, they're dancing with the gods and and the non-physical entities, which I think Mm. has an indirect healing quality to the people listening to it, because they're like in this trance-like state. I, I bring that up because artistic endeavor and healing for others doesn't necessarily have to be two different things. I mean, I mean,
1: this is the, you know, going back, going back to the idea of sympathetic resonance as well. This is also, we're receiving something that's being channeled through, through yeah. the artist as well. Like when you're, when you're watching any, any concert, and this can be, like you said, this could be like something violent or this could be aggressive. This is transmitted as well. And those kind of, I think when, when performers go into trances as well, that, that is totally that resonates with the audience and that kind of pulls people into it. It aligns them and that kind of everybody's like resonating with, with that performance and with those ideas.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 10 students could be 10 of you guys could be studying the exact same thing and and going to the exact same sound schools and everything. But in the end of the day, the difference between one practice and another is the person doing the work So, you know, I had a question earlier. I was like, what part of this is technical and what part of this is intuitive?
1: Uh, It's hard to to separate exactly because the intuitive, for me, the intuitive, it's necessary to let the intuitive take over. And I think the more preparatory part of it is the research-based, for example, when I when I was working a lot on exploring different frequencies, you know, always like calculating mathematical things, seeing how, how these could also like slightly start to overlap into musical, you know, harmonic things that, and, and applying my music knowledge and my, my instinct, a part of the music knowledge is also instinctual because I'm largely, I, I did have studied with teachers when I was young, but at some point, all of that gets thrown out the window and you really just go into your own practice and develop how you, how you play and everything. But I think that I did spend a lot of, and a lot, lot of time just researching uh, and exploring in the studio, seeing like, okay, how does this work with this frequency? What instruments do I have? Oh, I need to get another gong, you know, that, that whose frequencies match with, with these. And, and but then once you get into, to doing this, once you get in there, like everything, needs to become instinctual. Yeah, um, I mean, so for me, it's it's like practice. It's the the same idea of practicing, and then once you do, I mean, this is I don't want to use the word performance because it's different, I think, than performing. But but once you get in there, you're going on on instinct. Why do people need sound therapy? You think? I think because we are disconnected in this modern world. We have everything at our fingertips, yet we're not in tune with a lot of things. You know, I mean, we're not in tune with nature. We're not relaxed. We're, we're living in constant stress. I mean, everybody has chronic stress these days. And I think that finding a somatic way to to release these things is completely necessary for everybody and i think that sound therapy is in some sense it's a very passive way for people to to have a somatic release a bodily release of these stressors Um, they don't really have to do much just come lie down right and receive you know there there has to be a certain amount of letting go but that but that is also part of the it's part of the process and it's it's part of going into that i mean the way i approach everything i'm i'm kind of coming at it in multiple angles as well because a lot of my personal shift has come from a very mindfulness based meditation practice and that was extremely important for me um so i'm partially using sound as a meditative uh elements you know rather you know you can use the breath for meditation for mindfulness meditation you can use uh, images even you could use just anything that's arising emotions and I think all of these things are important they're all happening in the same space in consciousness right but I think that sound is is a very it's a very easy place for people to latch onto and it's very different than the breath I mean some people have a hard time doing a breath-based mindfulness meditation because that can actually cause people more anxiety like people who have anxiety but i think that sound first of all it's a very you know it's a very distinct way rather than a thought for example you can be quickly become just lost in a train of thinking right and you don't even know you're thinking right everybody does this all the time most of the day and training your mind to become aware of, of those things it is a long process as well. But I think that sound is a quite easy way to access this for people because, you know, it's, it's very direct. And also it's, it's an easy way for people to kind of relax as well. Like these vibrations can be very soothing. They can also be very stimulating. Don't get me wrong, but there's, there's a lot of angles to come out at this.
0: How do we know we need to go? Uh, do a sound therapy
1: it really varies i mean some a a lot of it is just stress a lot of it is is chronic stress people need to decompress people are, are tight they have you know it could be a physical pain like people have a lot of back tension for example and you know also my my training in meridian yoga has has really allowed me a lot more knowledge in the meridians and understanding where the stress is getting trapped in the body as well so I mean, this is also like, once you start practice, once you start studying those things, that's a lifelong practice as well. I mean, I'm continually learning new knowledge. And every every time I work with a new client too, it's kind of opens new uh, new understanding of, of these things. But I would say a lot of it is, is stress, sometimes physical tension. Some people have, you know, certain emotional things that they'd like to work with, uh, you know, grief, uh letting go of things that that need to be let go of but i would say overall the the probably the number one thing is is chronic stress and tension and people also really like the sessions because it's an easy way for people who don't uh easily access meditation or who are maybe a lot of people say oh my i'm too scattered my brain is too scattered to to meditate but they Receive this very well. They're easily able to kind of go into the body to to bring the mind into the body because the body is just vibrating, right? So it's easy to kind of yeah. You I don't know. really have any choice but to but to go into the body.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to sit quietly in a quiet room, right? Because your mind is racing, and we that's why we listen to like pop music, or that's why we listen to this kind of music while I, while we're commuting or while we're at work because it just gets us in the zone um and for me music has always been a way for me to like get into get get centered um and i know it is for a lot of people as well so you're right sound and music is a very very direct way um to get people maybe centered but also because sound vibration is it gets through the skin without having to like puncture the skin at all you know so Again, we're all vibrational beings, so we we're, we're, we just get aligned with the with the sound frequencies that's all around us, whether it's a healing frequency or it's a divisive frequency or it's an attacking frequency. So that's why everybody has to be careful.
1: Oh, it's interesting. The because I've talked a lot with people about that, where the line is between because I think the music, you know, where is the line between sound and music and with music i think that there's it's very easily a lot of it is nostalgic you know i mean you have certain like if you're talking about pop music which you know most of us grew up with pop music whatever this term means i mean pop yeah. is kind of a catch-all yeah, yeah. term to describe many kinds of music these days but even the way that that we've you know consumed music growing up i think that We have a different relationship to songs and a lot a lot of that is emotional and that's that's also you know that's super powerful but then there's the point of sound as well that if you're trying to kind of reduce this and take people out of their emotional attachments to to sound i'm really interested in where that line is and I've also kind of played with that a little bit, especially when I was incorporating a lot of the the kind of pre-produced elements, which were largely, um, you know, sine wave frequencies, but also I, I was also using synthesizers, you know, MOGA synthesizer a lot I was using in the sessions. And that I noticed talking to people too, they start after the session, they're like, I was off in this place. And then at one point, I became really, you know, let's insert whatever happy or sad. Or I started thinking of like, they started kind of bringing their story back into, into that, which I was trying to take them away from that. And I'm really interested in where that shift is, even pairing. Two frequencies together starts to become chordal you know it starts to become like a a chord in our in our ears because we've learned evolutionarily speaking we've we hear two frequencies together and we start to to associate music with that right and so you can hear like a major chord again this is more cultural where we associate major chords as being happy right and minor chords as being sad And so that that becomes really interesting, just pairing certain things together, and how people can have a kind of cultural perception of what that is. Um, Absolutely.
0: We're going to go on break. But before we go on break, we are going to play another sound clip from Shane. We'll be right back. something i was reading recently um something called biopods where now this is something that they're testing in the medical market i don't know if you've heard about it but it's it's basically like pods where you go inside and it's a healing pod and what heals you is light frequency and i'm going to get a light person to come in here and, and, and this podcast and just talk you know, because I do like laser therapy nice. for, for my hair and I, I have ordered laser. Yeah, therapy. I remember. Yeah, you uh, had. Yeah, I've had I've ordered some stuff like it's still coming in, but it's like a light, a light laser therapy and some kind of frequency that it, it kind of heals the skin and all of this kind of stuff. This pod does that. And they also have sound frequency in addition to the light yeah. frequency. You know, a few years ago, this whole thing would have been Star Trek, woo woo, all this kind of stuff. But it's really interesting that now mm-hmm. the medical community is starting to accept light and sound because we are light beings and we are sound beings. That's a spiritual aspect of it. But we, we're we all vibrational. Be- yeah. I don't know. Have you heard about this Medipod or HealthPod?
1: Pod yeah, yeah. or- yeah, you- for sure. Well, I don't know about exactly which which one you're talking about, but it's mm-hmm. been. A, I mean, it's been. It was a very esoteric thing, and mm-hmm. it's been. People have been using this for several. You, you know, I mean, it's been quite a long time that this has been a kind of experimental or very far out um, research. But I mean,
0: does now validate- it's finally becoming? Yeah, I mean, does this validate the work? Yeah, that it's finally
1: finally becoming. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's just like I, I think. It, it's more and more. I, I think that people are understanding. I mean, I don't know that I'm seeking validation, <laughs> but no, no. but I think that I think that people are understanding. I think it's validating for other people. I think that that largely, I, I cannot believe in the last couple of years how much the perspective has shifted on this stuff. But but also, people are are starting to really. I mean, I think as a mainstream thing, people are also starting to understand quantum physics and all of that. And you talk about, I mean, sound and light—they're the same things. They're just different, right. different right. uh, waveforms on the on different on the frequency, right? You just go up, and at some point, you get light, right? So things become faster, and and I mean the the vibrations. And, I mean, I think and, that, and thing- it's interesting how we've how we've evolved as beings to perceive these things because, you know, the ears, of course, we have a certain range that we can hear within, which is like, you know, whatever, 25 Hertz up to, I don't remember the the top frequency exactly. Uh, and then our eyes perceive these other things, but also this shift in this massive shift in consciousness over the past few years of psychedelic research and of that as a therapy, therapeutic, uh, you know widely accepted therapeutic practice is really interesting because all a lot of that is is also you know based on this you know our brains i guess the the idea behind that is that the thinking is that our brains cut out most of what we're perceiving right or most of what is around us we we only perceive what we need to perceive right we can see certain frequencies we can hear certain frequencies but we can feel a lot as well and there's a lot happening that we're not perceiving the theory is that if we could perceive everything we wouldn't be able to do anything because we'd be too overwhelmed so i guess that's where this research into psychedelics is kind of opening up i mean that was that's been this kind of theory that it's still a theory but, i mean no i mean but I if f- you if you read like michael michael Pollan's book you know i mean he talks to a lot of people about the default mode network and how our brains have kind of we have these patterns that we become ingrained in and again this is why we need these practices because we have these habitual things and the older we get the more we're trapped in the patterns that we create for ourselves right and
0: so and that's yeah. why we die and then we get reborn again. But um, that, <laughs> sorry, um, but it reminds me of these like <sighs> stories of these humans uh, that are born and they have like these very special talents and abilities. And I don't think it's a talent or ability. I think we all have the ability to have it. It's just our brain is wired in a way that cuts off all of those extra they, they call it extra sensory perceptions where these people yeah. are born when they can actually look at color and taste the color like a beige tastes like right. something yeah. red tastes like something and then these people can hear um, see light coming out of every object in different ways and then they see auras and all of this kinds of stuff and i think all of this stuff yeah. and and um that that book we were talking about earlier uh, from the lady who does tuning forks uh, biofield, she was talking about how birds do my mi- birds migrate in groups and that's how they know where to go because they actually see um, they see the highway in front of them, like their eyes um, and their extra senses. They see like a color shift or a vibrational shift and, mm. and they see a pathway for them to fly. Um, and that's how they do my, that's how they migrate with the frequency of, of the, the biofield, um, in, in, in the air. So yeah, everything is magic and everything is spiritual, unless it's not, you know, it's until it is not. And the only difference between magic, magical things, spiritual things, and, and, and not is the, the, the way that we, our generation, uh, humans use science as a way to discover the unseen and then it stops becoming so you know woo woo because When I was reading about that biofield research, I mean, she's just saying that spirit is really just plasma, like electromagnetic plasma of things that attract and detract from each other, you know, and when we have a thought, it creates like an electric charge around our body and around us that creates particles and matters and things to to attract to you or detract from you. And then that is our biofield, that is our plasmatic field because we're all batteries, and Mm -hmm. we're all attracting things. Some people can call that spirit, some people will call that an outer body. It's, it's just like meeting the knowledge of how we do scientific research that is measurable and replicable. And I think in a way, the study of sound therapy is getting there where they're starting to understand how certain frequencies affect your biological field.
1: No, it's amazing. I mean, I I think that, yeah, I think that, that I'm, I don't know. I mean, magic.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm... <laughs> because, the, I mean,
0: those in Bali, I do it's, think it's that, magical, I really. think this the is Kamala, all... The dance and, yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah, it's magical
1: oh. un, unless, until yeah. it's not, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, JJ, I had this, like, I had a kind of magical, like, real, like, epiphany when I was in Bali. And that was with, I was talking about insects, but I was... I was in Bali, like, I don't know how long. This must have been like six, seven, seven, eight years ago. And we were up in the mountains in central Bali and it was five in the morning. And all of a sudden, I mean, we we're in this hut that had no, no air conditioning, nothing. It was just like up, in, up on the mountain right. and very open air, just some mosquito nets. Mm-hmm. And at five in the morning, I thought that there was, uh, uh some kind of siren going off wow. i thought it was like uh i thought this was like i was in new york city or you know <laughs> something and there was like oh, no. s- some kind of massive tornado siren or something happening and then i quickly realized that, oh my god this is this is alive this whole place is alive This it's just right. insects i mean it was a symphony of insects and it was the loudest thing that i have ever heard coming out of nature I mean, maybe, maybe not a storm or something, but it was, this was the moment, you know, it was one of the moments of my life. And you can say there, there are many moments, even like performing music. I can think back to certain moments of performing music over the last 20 years where everything just opened up and turned magical. And it was like, there was nothing to do. It was just like all, it was just channeling you know right and there are moments where you feel this you can feel it energetically in the earth you can feel you know that place i felt like i was in a magical space at that moment when i heard these insects or i felt no, that I totally you know i was chan you know I, I playing music sometimes i feel that that's you're just channeling something and especially with the improvised music because i have a, you know part of my practice is very especially previously was very constructed very much in this quote-unquote pop uh, sensibility, or kind of you know electronic music, like dissecting everything and then and then reconstructing and building things in a in a very uh, this very modern way of, of composing music, but then my other practice, which we didn't really talk about, but I think is also directly related to spirituality, very very directly related to meditative states, is improvisation and practicing free improvisation is also I think that gave me even though I wasn't necessarily practicing that as a meditative practice now when I improvise I, I completely see that that's what it is it's just it's a very there's nothing but this moment because you're you're responding you're listening there's nothing preconceived it's just you're, you're living just in the present playing, you're yeah. like
0: being in the now moment yeah right that's yeah that's what music i mean that's what improvised music we listening to it gets me to the now yeah. moment as well so i completely get what you're saying there's two things i wanted to respond to first thing movie avatar i don't know if you've seen it I haven't that movie. Seen. you haven't <laughs> seen avatar I've never
1: seen Avatar. <laughs>
0: okay, watch it with your kids. I'll watch it. I because you. there's a scene okay. where basically Avatar is a kind of body suit that they that humans have to get into so that they can hang out in this planet, yeah. this other planet where they want to like colonize uh, because Earth is dead or something like that. So humans are getting into this Avatar, this blue suit, and they're in the jungle for the first time in this place. And this smart human was stuck in this jungle and at night and was like oh my god i can't see anything because there's all these like animals and predators everywhere so he's tried to start a fire and started a fire and the uh, the being who lives in the jungle was like what are you doing what is that they've never seen fire before they're like they she's like turn off the fire like put it out and then when when the fire blew out the whole forest lit up like the actual lights and the lights that are coming out from the beings just like lit up and then they okay so sorry you have to be there (laughs) but it 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 reminds (laughs) me of that scene you being in the forest in bali and then realizing there's all of this noise and it's it's like a symphony of of all of the insects and beings and and everything that's there, you have to sometimes you have to turn off the fire in order to really see what is actually the vibrational situation of that environment and space that you're in. The second thing I wanted to respond to is, have you heard of this app called NTS, NTS Radio? It's like the oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, music app. Well, NTS yeah. or whether it's Spotify, they now have a channel that's just recorded music, recorded sound. It's like a whole new thing that everybody is tuning into, which is like people with their microphones. Mm-hmm. And then they just go out in like in the middle of nowhere in a desert in Mexico, in, in, you know, and then they just record Yeah, what do you, it's a, it's a new kind of field, genre. Recordings. field recording. Yes. Yeah. And it kind of, it's like not everybody can fly to Bali and be in the mountain and be in the tent and listen to all of those things. But it's really interesting that people are getting into this now. I personally am not, I don't feel like I'm there, but I guess it's just my setup. It's just not right. (laughs) But I, you know, but it's, it's interesting. Like people are starting to really understand the importance of natural sounds, natural noise in the environment. Yeah. as a way to kind of also
1: align. It's not even really that. I mean, I think it, again, I think it's something that's just becoming more, Mainstream, especially hmm. probably in the last couple of years, due to everybody, the pandemic, everybody streaming everything. Right. And, and I think that, but I mean, I remember like, you know, I was really into certain record labels like Touch. There was this record label called Touch in the nineties, like late nineties that I was really into. They would did all of these experimental artists like re- doing field recordings from all around, or I mean, even. Field recording is kind of a, like a catch-all term for you could it could be nature, it could be, but it could also be like city sounds. It could be right. people traveling and, and recording you know bands on the street, like street musicians and stuff like that. Yeah. But it, I think it's really interesting that now it's it's kind of like opening up, and even with, but I think even like things like ASMR, right? Yes, I mean, this correct. is like a wildly popular and. Right. And it's only recently that I've started listening a little bit to, to some of that, and and really understanding like why it's so attractive to people, and I actually really kind of have liked a lot of it that I've listened to.
0: So tell me about your app. You've developed an app with the Hong Kong government. Tell me quickly about it, I and mean, we we don't have much time left. but um, It's something that you're um, doing that you can that everyone in the world can download. I think
1: to say I developed it with the Hong Kong government. <laughs> okay, sorry, that
0: was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I mean, you, you
1: had the support. It was yeah. with. Uh, it was. It was funded by the Arts Development Council in Hong Kong. And um, it was, yeah, it was part of a pandemic relief project. And there was a producer that I've worked with, uh, Orly and Lai, who approached me towards the beginning of the pandemic. And she had this idea to, she had a very like vague idea uh, to do something, to do a, a kind of online art project that was based around idea of personality tests (laughs) and and when i when she first approached me she said i I imagine you as as kind of being the lead artist of this project what would you do with this concept and at first i was not really i i didn't really know what to do with it at first and i didn't know if i was so interested but then we talked for a bit and then we had a second meeting about it and and over the course of that meeting just like talking for 30 minutes all of a sudden like something came into my mind and I kind of saw how I would approach that, so I asked a couple of other artists to work on the project, Tap Chan and Ma Keen Tong. And the course of developing that was quite crazy because we were working with a technical team. I I know nothing about building an app. Uh, I'm not really interested in the technical side of that. I was more interested as a you know conceptual piece. And we tried a lot of things that. You know, we were also trying to push some ideas about you know privacy. Uh you know, we were trying to use the the telephone as a kind of medium as well, uh, to to see what we could do with with this device that everybody carries on them all the time. And it's uh it turned out how it turned out. It's like it's I think in my mind when I start projects like that, I don't really like to have uh a very preconceived idea of what the finished product will be i like to kind of use the process as a way to explore which is often very hard when you're getting funding from somebody like arts development council because typically they want to know exactly what you're doing and i always am completely opposite than that i i like to use like the whole point of making something is to see where it goes right and to kind of push it past the place where you originally think it it might be but yeah this was like a hugely collaborative project because there was this technical team there were three artists working on it and i think it's a really interesting app a really interesting like work in the end it's called the imaginary so like it is imaginal
0: pathways imaginal imaginal pathways i suggest you download it it's gonna be an interesting experience for you uh you take it out into the middle of the wherever your lawn or the park and or the beach and give it a try. Okay. That was really great. We and covered a lot. Yeah. And I think we may invite Shane back to do uh just a f- one hour recording <laughs> in the future. <laughs> so we're gonna play another clip from Shane. Yeah. And thank you so much for being part of this podcast and this show and 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 helping our yeah we've never had anyone on board to speak about sound therapy. So this is really fantastic.
1: Yeah. thanks for having me jj yeah. thank
0: you thank you shane um and listen to this clip and uh thanks guys see you in the next episode Design by Design was brought to you by Archipelago Media, a division of Archipelago Limited Hong Kong. Our amazing theme music was composed for us by Ollie Shelton, a Brighton-based composer, producer, and pianist specializing in ambient, electronic, and alternative music. He is half of the UK duo Pella, and works alongside a range of up-and-coming artists and established acts around the globe. You may contact him on Instagram at O underscore underscore music and com. that's o-l-l-y shelton com. you may contact me on instagram at jj dot a-c-u-n-a that's at jj dot you may also follow us on our new instagram account for the podcast at align by design with jj that's at align by design with jj If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We thank our guests and partners of the podcast. And as always, take time to align by your very own design, whatever that may be.